0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Tuesday, August 25th, and we are dropping a special news edition of the podcast. If you're a regular listener, you'll understand said knocking his microphone around that we are doing analytics slash nerd week last week. Tons of great analytical content to evaluate the twenty twenty season in that week. And then this week is fantasy week to get you prepared for all your fantasy drafts. Uh, we have had a multitude of great guests. Jamie Eisenberg on Monday, uh Gup from Gup's Corner, awesome DFS episode on Tuesday, today that's already in the feed. And then tomorrow Pat Mayo of Mayo Media Network and the Pat Mayo Experience uh, talks regular season fantasy drafts. We'll be wrapping up Fantasy Week and then doing Gambling Week. And then, holy crap, football will be here. But because we're leading up to the season, there is news happening. And that means it's time to get Ryan Wilson off a of vacation and talk some news. But first, I would point out to you that you can listen to us on Stitcher. Sports are back, and the Stitcher app is one of the best platforms to consume sports podcasts. They even have a new collection on their homepage of the app for the return of sports, where Fantasy Baseball Today and Pick 6 are both featured. Stitcher also makes it incredibly easy to build playlists of your favorite podcasts. Download Stitcher for free in the app store today. Ryan Wilson, how are you doing? How was vacation? How's your third vacation of
1: the summer? Yeah, awesome. As I get ready for a draft season... I'm very busy uh, doing a little behind-the-scenes work, so it's no vacation for me. Although, I do think I'm working less than you right now, which is, That's might impressive. be a low point. That is a low
0: point. You know who's working even less than both, both of us combined? John Breach. Yeah. Breach is taking, no lie, eight weeks of paternity leave. I don't know if I get in trouble with HR for criticizing his the amount of paternity leave he's taking, but it's pretty outrageous.
1: Well, it's funny because on Sunday, I sent uh, a text to our little group that thread and said, hey, are we going to do something – on their old Thomas and Breach said, whatever you do, I can't do it. Cause I'm taking another week off.
0: Right. And, and then we mentioned it in our Slack channel. Debo's like, Hey, let's do this. And Breach is like, I can't do it. We're like, we get it, bro. You're not around for the rest of 20, 2025 Like it will see you when your kid is 12. Like your kid's going to drive you to the next podcast. That's how long you're going to be away. You lazy sack of crap. Um, but yeah, I mean like Breach, but Breach is like continually reminds us he is on actual vacation when, those of us who are not working that hard right now, but are continuing to do a daily podcast are not on vacation.
1: I will say this. I am guessing that you have been to the pool, been to the pool more in the last two weeks than Breach has been to the pool in the last two months. That's probably true, but he's got a newborn. I got a six year old. I got to get out of the freaking house. You've been to the pool in the last two weeks five times. Pfft, that's way too low. Yeah. See, there we go. I'm right. gonna, i I've go to the pool twice on Saturday. What do water. you do at the pool? Do you lay there? Or do you like, go off the diving board, show up in front of the kids, embarrass your family? What's your plan at the pool? I
0: mean, my, Robbie wants to play in the pool 24 seven. You have to, oh, in okay. fact, I'm sort of, I mean, I would say I'm popular around the pool, uh, in the sense that Robbie will make, we do these things called bottom breakers where I pick him up over my head and then just lob him really far and he lands. And, uh, naturally that causes, it, it's a little weird, but it's fine. Like other kids want to come over and be tossed too. What does the lifeguard think of that?
2: I'm fine with it.
1: That's when you, work, that's when you pay a lot of dues at your private club. To the lifeguard lets you do what you want to do.
0: Wait, wait, is that, not, is that, you can't hold a six year old over your head and look like
1: awesome? <laughs> not, not at the public pool no.
0: Really? What, what, uh, how's your diving I like, board? He likes to climb on my shoulders too. And that's sort of frowned upon, but they'll let, depends on who the lifeguard is. They'll let it slide with that, you know, with the dads and the smaller
1: kids. How's your diving board game? Uh, awful. Oh, really? Like you didn't uh, grow awful. up? Awful. I'm not a diving board guy. Oh, Debo strikes me. Oh, wait, Debo, were you a diving board guy? Cause I know you're,
2: you're iffy on the swimming part. <laughs>
0: what? You just you if can
2: swim? That's no, a, no that's, that's a fair point. I would, I'm at sometimes not the most comfortable in the water, but I cannot dive and it's something that I want to achieve in my 29th year of life. Um, there you go. But you it's, can't, it's one of the goals or, I've set.
0: If I'm understanding this correctly, you're not a great swimmer, but you want to learn how to.
2: But you don't know how to dive? I don't know how to dive. That's, that's a big like issue. Into the water or off the Into the water. Board. Off the diving board, off the side of the pool, off a boat, Anywhere. off anything.
0: Yeah. Now, I don't know if you know this, but all it involves is putting your face into the water with your arms. Can you shirt. dive, Brenton? What, what? Are you serious? Yes.
1: Yeah, you said your diving board game wasn't on point.
0: I, well, so I would say this. When I was a little kid, I had to do swimming lessons and, um, they made me do the high dive. And I Why do they
1: make you do that? That seems terrible. I was like,
0: I really don't want to do that. It was ten, like one of those old-school 10-foot high dives. And then the partner yeah, the, yeah. the like, scared me up, and we jumped off. And, I, I mean, frankly, I haven't liked heights ever since then. Fair enough. Um, I
1: am. Um, I, I don't brag on myself often. My diving game is on point. So, not like – I'm not doing, like, uh, triple flip things, but, like, you know – Cannonballs, can openers, spank the baby, all those things. I mean, everybody
0: can do that. I mean, like, yeah, I'm a great can opener, cannonball dive off the diving board guy, but I'm not doing a, I've never done a flip in my life.
1: Oh, I can do a flip. I can do a one and a half and do a backwards flip.
0: I okay, mean, that's, so. that's, you should have led with that instead of I can do a cannonball. I
2: like the, like, I like splashing. Devo can like, do a cannonball. I don't know. Can Devo do a cannonball? Yeah, I mean, the water doesn't move, but I can do a cannonball. <laughs> right. Devo wastes. Do you as a pencil? Right,
1: Diva. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta put your button to it. Um, so that's my go-to. All yeah, right. I don't really
0: like diving off the diving board because I feel like the, well, I just feel like you can, you can get turned up, like, you know, you can just get. Ah,
1: interesting. All right.
0: I oh, had well, all I these have, broad I no goals. Problem, I have no problem diving off the side.
1: Okay. Gotcha. What are you saying, Debo?
2: I had all these broad goals for, for quarantine, <laughs> things that I would accomplish in life, learning Spanish. I, you know, I think I've told you before I gave up on dunking a basketball, but I feel like diving is, is such an easy one to knock off that just hasn't been accomplished yet.
1: Yeah, diving yeah. should be the top of the list. And then dunking a basketball, I think would come before Spanish. How
2: tall are you? Uh, on dating profiles, I say six feet.
1: Okay. So Five pounds.
2: So five eleven and three quarters, and like I'm wearing shoes when I meet them, so I feel justified down. saying six feet.
0: Okay, uh, so the, and the six feet matters, I guess. I, can you filter by height?
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, it oh, it matters. I was gonna say, girls don't like typically like, like dating people shorter than them.
0: But I, I wonder if I would have trouble in the dating circuit because of my like I have to put like five nine. You have I'd, to go I'd, on I'd the, put uh, like five eleven. Be like, what
1: the hell? You have five eleven, bro. You can't. Uh, you, can't if, you can't date tall girls when you're my size. If it makes you feel any better, I think height would be the least of your concerns. <laughs> oh, I love laughing at my own jokes. All right, oh, there it is. Thank you. How good is Kevin
0: Harlan, by the way? The best. He's amazing.
1: I can't say uh, it enough. I love my Monday Night Football radio. So check it out. Yeah, that's right. Him and Kurt Warner.
0: Hey, speaking of Monday Night Football, did we talk about it? They
1: announced that we do this already. No, I haven't heard anything about Monday Night Football. What do you got?
0: Well, they're. They're doing the three-man booth with Steve Levy, um, Brian Greasy, and Lou Riddick. But they will not call. This is an interesting move by ESPN. They will not call the early Monday Night Football game in week one. Instead, that's going to be Kirk Herbstreit and Chris Fowler.
1: And they're doing and the, the late
0: one? I think presumably the logic is that that eases the burden and, and the pressure of you know, cause like, if you put them out first, they're going to get blasted and then you got Herbstreet and Fowler late and nobody's, you know, really paying attention. You drop these guys, give them a, give them a test run on the late night game. It's like Broncos, Titans, but half of America's asleep. That's
1: the move. Yeah. I hadn't heard that. I'm eager, eager to hear it. I like Steve Levy and Greasy and, and, um, uh, who's the other one? Lou Riddick. Lou Riddick. Yeah. No, I don't that's, that's love it. the
0: idea of a three man booth. Uh, that's not has nothing to do with those three guys. It's just more, historically it's hard to do if
1: you're like, you have to know each other. And even if you, me and Breach were doing a three man booth, it would still be very difficult.
0: I mean, yeah, you'd need like, well, for, I mean, first of all, greasy and, uh, uh, Levy, Levy have worked together for years and they're very good and they're comfortable good, yeah. on broadcast and college football broadcast. So like that shouldn't be a problem. So it's just a matter of like, and, th- and so that's sort of the difference I think between Tessator and Boog and Witten It's like, you can't, you can't run three guys out there and try to develop chemistry on the fly on a national broadcast. That's not going to work. Now, if you do no two. Matter,
1: no matter how many practice runs you do on games that don't matter.
0: Right. Like, if now, like, and people point to Romo and Nance, that's not the same thing. You know, Nance is, Nance is the guy when it comes to play by play. Like, he does everything. He does the Masters. He does March Madness. He does, you know, our high A list football games. And so you're just asking Romo to incorporate himself with Nance and you have a professional like Nance who is setting Romo up. That's totally different than three guys trying to find their chemistry. So so this to me is has a viable chance of working because you're just asking those two guys to incorporate Lou Riddick into their analysis, which shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. Good. Looking forward to it. Glad to have football back. Mm, Indeed. Okay. So let's get to some news. Other news, football news. The Ravens have let go of Earl Thomas. Shocking bit of news, according to reports. or I don't think this was, like, filmed, right? He threw a punch at Chuck Clark, the other uh, starting safety, last week. And this is from Jason and Four writes, alas, this has been boiling over for quite some time, according to numerous sources with direct knowledge of the situation, with the frustration with Thomas going back to last year. Then many around Thomas put up with him, shall we say, showing up not quite ready to practice or missing meetings or doing whatever he cared to do on game day rather than sticking to the scheme or play call. But this was different, the sources said. This was personal. There was a sense on that defense that Thomas was not part of the group and did not care to really be part of the group. He had eroded too much trust to really be accepted anymore, and his teammates saw his skills deteriorating and missteps magnifying. How surprised it, are you, Ryan, that Earl Thomas, who's probably a Hall of Famer, definitely a Hall yeah, of Famer? You think everybody's a Hall of Famer. We'll get to that. Just oh, okay. ask a question. Well, how, it's surprising to me that a guy who's like the key piece of the Legion of Boom and a former first-round pick would go to a place like Baltimore and not fit in with the, uh, the 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 sort of the the team, the the atmosphere around the team.
1: No, it's surprising because I didn't have any inkling that he was um, a problem.
0: Like nobody knew when JLC and other like, other people were like, this could end up with him getting cut. Everybody's like, what? What's he not cutting Earl Thomas?
1: Like our last vision of Earl Thomas in Seattle is sitting on a cart, giving the finger to the Seattle bench, and we're like, oh, we get it. He shouldn't have been out there. He should have got his new deal. Uh, but maybe the Seahawks, an organization by the way, who have been known to take on um, people who struggle to to get along well with others, maybe they were onto something before the Ravens were. Also, an organization that has been really good about working with people who don't get along well with others. But uh, I don't know if JLC reported this, but I heard our, our guy Pete Prisco say this on CBS Sports HQ on Tuesday afternoon that there's a report that Earl Thomas. Missed a walkthrough to get his car washed. Had you heard that? No, but that's amazing. That that is amazing, and we're not even talking about the 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 incident this this off with his wife and his brother. I mean, that's in and of itself crazy. But you're like, all right, pro athlete, whatever. But this is more team centric. You can't go around punching players. During, I mean, you're laughing. No. Like, Who, who's punching people during during work? Uh, even if you know your job is to, to tackle people. So yeah, it's extremely out of nowhere. But you also have to understand he followed Eric Weddle, and Eric Weddle was a big part of that defense, and obviously Eric Weddle fit in perfectly, but he retired. Earl Thomas was not the answer to the point that the Ravens um, team leaders, the players on the on the team, felt it was in the team's best interest to move on from him, and if they feel that way, then I think the team will be better off. I don't think he was okay last year. He was good. He wasn't great. He wasn't the Earl Thomas Hall of Famer that, that you remember and that we remember from Legion of Boom. Uh, We have seen guys like Richard Sherman, who played with him in Seattle, say he was shocked to hear how things um, unfolded because of the way things uh, worked out very well in Seattle. So, yes, surprising, but I I don't think the Ravens are a worse team. I think the Ravens are a better team without him.
0: Yeah, I think that Baltimore did the right thing, especially in this weird year, to go ahead and make a move. And if you can get out from under his $10 million guaranteed, which it believes that they can do based on the CBA language – then it's not a bad move at all if you have the necessary replacements in house. Your defense will probably be better overall because of it. So I, I I don't mind it. It's just it's a shocking move. There are a lot of people who think that maybe it's like they do this with Eric Weddle. They brought Eric Weddle in. I think the belief was Earl Thomas would just be Eric Weddle 2.0 in terms of being a successful veteran safety who stepped in and became the the brains behind things. But look, if he's if he's going rogue on the field, and let's not forget he had a, like a orgy thing happen. Early in the pandemic, Rod. I, mean, well, I, mean,
1: I, I touched on that. I don't want to add the details, but thank you for.
0: I mean, but he was having, I mean, it's not, isn't it like sort of public knowledge?
1: It's very public. I just didn't know, you know, kids are listening. They want to have, have to have their parents explain what, uh, what are you going to cop, are you going to crop
0: out me saying orgy, Diva?
2: I would prefer if you don't keep repeating it, but <laughs> I wasn't planning on the first time. It's, uh, Earl
1: uh, Thomas. I, let me ask you this while you look that up. More surprising, I think I know the answer, but I'll just ask for for fun. The Antonio Brown situation dissolving so quickly in Pittsburgh, or the Earl Thomas situation dissolving even quicker, perhaps in in Baltimore.
0: I think I think uh Earl Thomas is more surprising.
1: Wow! Now, listen to, before you answer. I'll, I'll add this one thing: the Steelers, I think, uh, eight twenty something. What's that? I Already answered, but. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, going. I was going to say the um the Steelers ate twenty something million in cap space for getting rid of Antonio Brown. Everyone's like, this is crazy. Turns out that the, it was probably worth it. Even if the Ravens have to eat the ten million, if it turns out that this team is better for it, I think you just eat the ten million.
0: Right. The, the only reason I think Earl Thomas is more surprising is I guess the the lead up to it was a little more like. It was shorter and therefore more yeah. shocking. Whereas, at, at some point with Anthony Brown, I got to be like, they are—they're just going to get rid of it. Like, Week really seventeen,
1: gonna... he didn't show for that final game against the, and then they, they traded him three or four months later, whatever.
0: Or, yeah, at that point it was like, all right, he's doing everything in his power to get traded. You know, if they can get a pick, and we thought that what they got for him did not seem like a great deal at the time, but now they've, you know, they've gotten through the cap situation, right? I don't think they have any more dead money left. Would they're they
1: have... Fine, they may—they're yeah.
0: fine. Yeah, but not much. And then they got Deontay Johnson for it. I mean, they—they they, they came out better for it.
1: Like the sort of like a Shawshank redemption type of crawl through. And the Ravens players, many of them wanted Deshaun the Elliott to be the free safety. I don't want you giggling about it. hear that part over Earl Thomas anyway. So cheaper, better teammate. Yeah. So on and so forth. All right. Buddha Baker. Oh, sorry.
0: We should do some landing spots for Earl Thomas. Um, You know, <laughs> I know where he ain't going. Uh, Seattle. Dallas, it sounds like he say no Dallas? So, uh, Cody Benjamin put together a list of, uh, of teams. Number one, Dallas. Why do uh, why do you think not Dallas?
1: Um, you know, Ian Rappaport, NFL Network reported um, while the Cowboys made some inquiries, this was on Tuesday, they are not expected to be among the teams vying for Thomas' services sources, say. Mm. So, and Mike Gar- Garofalo, who he works with, in the NFL Network. Tweeted afterwards. Thomas has told the Cowboys to come get me twice now, and twice now the Cowboys have said, uh "said no thanks." It sounds like because remember Earl Thomas sprinted down the tunnel to tell Jason Garrett, oh, arm yeah. around him, reportedly said, "Hey, come get me." I um, think he
0: admitted to saying that. Yeah, I mean Dallas was the obvious landing spot. I just think if I'm the Cowboys and we have all this new, all these new pieces in place. Yep. And we're trying to get things going in the right direction. I'm probably not taking the, like if the Ravens got rid of Earl Thomas, Yes,
1: it's like when the Patriots get rid of somebody. It ain't like the Lions dump somebody. Like it ain't Darius Slay getting traded from the Lions.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like when By the, the way, Ravens, when the Ravens decide they don't want a potential Hall of Fame safety playing on their team, then maybe the Cowboys don't either. And so I, I would be surprised if the Cowboys didn't. The Patriots, I guess we could throw out there. They're on Cody's list, but. Again, the Patriots
1: are ones they are te- a team who take take on problem players, quote unquote, and then they'll cut them if it's not working out. We've seen them do that a ton of times too. Albert Hainsworth is a good example. They took him on, and that was fifteen minutes. Um, Chad Johnson lasted a little longer. I don't think he was a problem in, in New England. He just uh, the, on the field didn't work out. Um, guys like Randy Moss and Corey Dillon have lasted longer, but th- they will take on guys who are didn't work out other places, and they have no trouble uh, dumping those guys. Oh, quickly, uh, Charles Robinson, Yahoo.com also tweeted this out. Uh, I think he's leaning into what he saw about Jerry Jones, uh, his thoughts on Earl Thomas. He thinks Jerry Jones is leaning into what Mike McCarthy, new head coach, wants in the locker room. McCarthy's very close to Seahawks GM John Snyder. If there's anything McCarthy needs to know about Earl Thomas, Schneider will have told him.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, there John Snyder has lots of friends around there. He will be talking to them, you know, like it's like Cody pointed out in his post, like John Schneider can attest to how good Earl Thomas is. John Schneider will also tell Mike McCarthy why he doesn't want Earl Thomas, and there right. apparently are a lot of reasons because the Seahawks let him go.
1: Prisco said he talked to a couple GMs, and they both said no, they would not be interested in Earl Thomas. Who are the other teams Cody has on this list? Oh,
0: where did it go? Earl Thomas landing spots. Pats, 49ers. Eh. Browns. Chargers. Well, the, Browns, the, Chargers quickly, the, the
1: Browns just lost Grand Delpit for the year. Philly's injury. Yeah. That team does not – if that, te- if any team needs someone not to upset the apple cart, it would be the Browns. So I, yeah. I would pass.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. The Chargers, I think, are deep enough. They don't need him. No, that secondary is stacked. Yeah. The Texans, uh, <laughs> reportedly not that interested. I think John because <laughs> uh, He's like, even if reports suggest the club is not overly interested. Uh, the Colts, I don't think the Colts are bring him into the locker room. No. Nope. And then the Falcons. Maybe. I could – Dan Quinn was his old coordinator.
1: So he, like John Schneider, knows the uh, the uh down and dirty.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe old Thomas doesn't. But again, if the Ravens cut you and are potentially willing to eat $10 million as a result of cutting you, you have to be, on like, other teams are going to, that's going to raise some red flags for other teams.
1: I would think so, yes. Yes.
0: Maybe, does he definitely find a home? He does, right?
1: Yeah, it's going to be for the money he doesn't want, and then we'll see how that well, know, but back part back. of the problem too is
0: now he's just lost $10 million. Whether or not he gets it back remains to be seen. That grievance is going to be heard over the course of the next several months. Like Earl Thomas is not going to be in possession of that $10 million, which complicates matters in terms of what your asking asking prices to work. If you have $10 million in the bank account from your job that you thought you were going to have this year, you might be willing to work less. You'll work for less somewhere else, right? You see what I'm saying? Like yes. if CBS is no, like, Brian, we're releasing you, Here's here's – $10, you might be able to, willing to write a blog post at Yahoo for a dollar instead because you had the $10 in your back pocket.
1: The $10 million didn't oh, feel I realistic. You. Hey, um, let me ask you this quickly. It's not on the rundown, but I was just thinking about it because my guy Sean McDermott right. mentioned it. Uh, some stadiums, no fans. Some stadiums, ten to 15,000 fans, I think. I think Miami is one of those stadiums. McDermott is not happy with the disparity in terms of fairness. What do you What do you guys think about that? Um. I think,
0: all right. So one, I would say that is potentially problematic. And it it boggles the mind that the NFL isn't instituting some blanket rule for how many fans are going to be allowed. And instead of letting the states do it, you know, do it state by state when you think that the NFL would come up with some sort of guideline to operate under for the entire league that is sort of CDC based or something like that to minimize the exposure for players. Like what if Indian, so what if you have a dome team? I mean, clearly a dome is not as safe to be in with other fans and players as an outdoor stadium,
1: right? Does, I mean, I think we're – Well, a couple uh, things. I think it's state by state, local local authorities are making those decisions. But Sean Mc- Sean's point was uh, it's an unfair advantage on the field in terms of home field advantage. And Prisco was asked about this on HQ, and I thought he actually made a good point. Like 15,000 fans a- a- at the Dolphin Stadium, no one cares. That's not going to affect anything. That's not going to affect the snap count or or, you know the swing of play momentum, whatever. But I think if there's a point where you have 30 or 40 or 50,000 fans in one site and no fans at another site, that's potentially an issue. And I don't know if the NFL has contingency plans for that, but McDermott, I think he called it ridiculous was, was the word he used, but that's just something to watch the first few weeks.
0: All right. So here's the list. Let's see. No fans all season long. Bears Raiders, Washington football team, no fans until further notice bills, Eagles, giants, jets, no fans for first home game, Broncos. No fans through September, Falcons, Lions, Packers, Patriots, Saints, Seahawks, Texans, Titans, Vikings. Reduced but unspecified capacity, Bengals, Cowboys, Steelers. 10 to 20% capacity. I think we're getting this from, uh, a, 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 some sort of aggregated report. 10 to 20% capacity, Ravens. 20 to 25% capacity, Chiefs, Colts, Dolphins, Jaguars, and no plan announced, Browns, Buccaneers, Cardinals, Chargers,
1: 49ers, Panthers, Rams. There you go. I think the Rams have subsequently said maybe no, maybe I'm wrong. I don't want to speak out of turn, but I won't say. Okay. But anyway, so there are varying levels of fan, fans expecting the stands across the 32 teams. So. Yeah, exactly. We'll see what happens. All right.
0: In other COVID news, there have been 77 false positives that happened mm. over the weekend that were thought to be positive, and the NFL put everything on pause, and then it turned out it was all in one laboratory. These false positives came back, and that's, I think, Ryan, good news for the NFL in the sense good news that-, that
1: it happened now. Right, exactly. What's, I didn't mean uh, to interrupt you. But, uh, yeah, so, right, it's bad news initially. Kevin Stefanski, the head coach of the Browns, is one of the ones who uh, originally thought he had tested uh, positive. And, um, you know, you're shutting down practice. I think several teams had to shut down practice over the weekend because of, the, of these false positives. Uh, the NFL looked into it. Apparently they had plans in place to figure out uh, quickly whether the, the false positives are, in fact, false positives or in fact, positives, and, and then move forward. Now, this is, like I said, I'm glad it happened now. This is not something you want to happen Saturday in, in, in the third week of, of September, hours before you're supposed to play uh, some NFL games. So, uh, yeah, this is all part of the new normal, as it were. Hopefully this is this is only a two- or three-month thing and we get back to the way the old normal used to be, but 77 pulse, false positives. I don't know how you sort that out with the New Jersey lab in question in terms of making sure it doesn't happen again. But the fact that they were able to, to get around to figuring it out as fast as they did is good news now. They're going to have to do it even faster. Uh, like I said, it should happen on a Saturday during the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the like you said, the response time is very important. The, act, the fact that they didn't test positive is, is very important, too. It means the NFL is doing a good job of containing the bubble. And that the, frankly, the players, as Jonathan Jones, our pal, pointed out uh, on a podcast previously and has now pointed out on Twitter, subsequently, the players are doing an exceptional job of keeping it between the mustard and the mayonnaise here. I mean, like, how are these dudes not catching Corona? I can't believe it. it the fact that we're getting no positive tests tells you that, and I think it probably boils down to these guys knowing that some of them are on, the, you know, some of them, they're fighting for jobs. Some are established veterans who have to be, you know, leaders on teams. And then young guys like your first, you know, if you're a, if you're freshly drafted, you can't show up and, you know, like you don't, you know, you don't want your first impression with your new team to be, I, you know, like I was out partying and caught. Correct? What about
1: this? What should you have someone dress up like a Seahawks player and, and sneak him into your hotel room? Right, exactly. By uh, the way, that that player whose name I can't remember, he was undrafted and was quickly released. He just apologized for it. Yeah, I don't know how that apology, like what you put in that apology and what the expectation is. I mean, there's no way that the Seahawks are going to bring you back, but I understand why you do it. But initially, just don't do it. But, yeah, to your point, uh, a lot of credit to uh, all the players that are doing the right things. I saw a report that one player may uh, – for the Titans may have been at a party. I don't want to say his name if it wasn't, if the report wasn't accurate. Oh. So I know one of the players was supposed to be there and it turns out that he wasn't. But um, for the most part, it sounds like these, these guys are doing the right things. And, and I think when you understand that it, it's literally about providing for your family, you, you can sort of put a clamp on um, doing some of the things you're used to doing.
0: I think that's, I think that's a good call. Yeah. Um, of course. Now, Having said that, I don't know how well this will go over, or how well this will proceed once the games actually start, and once teams actually just start traveling. Now, if you can get, like, if you're going from Atlanta to Charlotte, and you're going to be there for a you know a day, or like just just for the day for the game, you're going to be fine. Nobody's going to you know you nobody. Or let's say you go from Charlotte to Atlanta. Panthers play the Falcons. You know, if you spend the night in Atlanta, dudes might go
1: out. Oh right, yeah, that that's right. Mike, I thought you meant like because the concern will you'll fly on your private jet, which will be whitewashed. You'll land away. You're not going through a terminal. You just get on a bus right right once you get off the airplane, right to the hotel. So right, the the issue isn't even the hotel, perhaps having COVID. It's whether you can stay indoors. And well,
0: and to further that point, the NFL is is incorporating multiple several rules. Uh, For instance, the traveling club must be can't like you're you're gonna. At the earliest, you could go the day of the game. I don't think anybody would actually do that because there's complications. Like, you would need to have... I think
1: there's some conversation of day of travel.
0: There is some, but, like, they, w- I think they want the players there the day before so they can administer test.
1: Oh, okay. So what they're
0: going to do is have the team... Like, you need to be... The teams are going to travel the day before the game, so you leave Saturday for a Sunday game, and you go to your lodging, and the, the director of football operations is going to have to deal with finding lodging that, you know, is, is quarantined. So to speak, you know, they're going to work with these hotels, and I'm sure, you know, the hotels, Marriott is a partner of the NFL. I'm sure they'll find ways to make this work and they'll find different facilities, et cetera. Um, what if they and,
1: put 30 tents on the field, on the playing field, and they just sleep at the stadium? It's not a crazy idea. A little camp out, a little glamping. There you go. Problem Yeah, you know,
0: they offer glamping in Raleigh. My wife wants to glamp. It's like it's In like the
1: city? Ball. Usually, yeah. Go out somewhere. Well, it. they
0: come out and put it up a tent in your backyard. I'm like, I got a tent in the, the, the closet. Like, I'll just throw a tent up. We can go camp.
1: Oh, you pay a couple you hundred. Pay bucks to bring
0: a tent way. out, and set it up for you to sleep in their tent. It's insane. No, you just do it yourself. With that. That's something like something like Debo would do. Like, do, like, like, offer to go like on a glamping date on Tinder or something like that. Um uh, Yeah, that's. Uh, I could see Debo
2: doing that. Yeah, no, we don't use Tinder just to clarify.
0: <laughs> Bumble, Bumble. What do you use? Match, Match, Patch Smash,
2: Match. What a Smash. Uh, hinge is, is the primary. Hinge, That's hinge. what it is.
1: Farmersonly.com. That's what it is. Um, yeah. So I would, I would actually station four or five or 10 security guards around the front door of the hotels and just start taking name, taking pictures and taking names.
0: Well, and I think one of the things that they're going to have to do. So we assume at this point that we can have a 12, 24 hour turnaround on. Covid test, I think so, right? So they're going to do these te- administer these tests on Saturday after everybody is quarantined in the building. That means we're probably going to find out a lot of news on Sunday morning if these guys are, are being exposed or if you know, et cetera, et cetera. Well, so you, think,
1: if it's twenty four hours, you got to be there at the new place by ten a.m. on Saturday.
0: Yeah. Well, I, we just don't know what the screening and the testing is going to be like. Yeah. I mean, we've seen some like the, this this um, saliva test that the that the NBA that you know, We've seen a lot of advances in reasons. So uh, there's no, going to be no on-field entertainment, cheerleaders, mascots, etc. A maximum of 65 game-day workers. Players and coaches are not required to wear masks but are encouraged. Anyone other than a player or coach in the bench area with field access must wear a face covering. When a player goes in the medical tent for evaluation, he must wear a mask. Practice squad players won't be allowed on the sideline during the game. Staffers will be constantly uh, cleaning benches and the protocol even states the game balls will be cleaned in accordance with guidelines provided by Ryan Wilson. Just you got it. Wilson footballs. Um, no media in the locker rooms. So like we gave the NFL crap for not, you know, I, I made that not political analogy when I said that it's all, well, it seemed all spread out and all that. I think the NFL has done a very good job. I don't know do how we give the NFL crap for? Well, oh, it felt like they were sort of just like, all right, dude, you know, set up your own plan. Like who knows what's gonna
1: happen. Oh, they, I think I I have been hesitant to jump on Roger Cadell in the last six months because it feels like that he sort of understands like starting with the draft. It starts with the draft. I wasn't sure we should have had the draft. He did a really, really good job with that. And you and you're right, there wasn't a lot of uh public facing news about what the plans were for the the COVID pandemic situation, and it seems like that there are plans in place. Well, you're right. We, we were sort of wondering what was going on a month ago, uh, ago or so when, when it seemed like no one was in charge. But I, I feel like after seeing a few episodes of uh, hard knocks with the Rams and, and the Chargers and, and seeing what other teams doing around the league, this ain't a, this ain't a joke and they're, they're taking it pretty seriously and, and they seem to have the protocols in place to keep these guys safe.
0: Yeah. It, it feels like they, the NFL sort of maybe got a reality check with how baseball went. Mm, true that. And saw how the NBA and hockey were operating. Like it just, it was just working. There's no negative test, no positive test with the NBA and with the NHL. And so maybe they thought, all right, look, we need to, we can't do a bubble. How can we get as close to a bubble as possible? You know, without actually doing it. And so I guess that's sort of where they're at here and it seems to be working. Am I missing anything from these protocols?
1: No, the only thing I would add is that they're, they're- reports that perhaps a bubble could be in the plans for playoffs, depending on how we've progressed with the vaccine, what the pandemic pandemic is at at that point, so on and so forth. So to to continue the the bubble conversation, given that it's worked so well in other sports. I agree.
0: All right, let's take a break. When we come back, was Buda Baker worth all that money? We'll tell you. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived, thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul. Tuesday, actually. Very convenient when you're doing a Tuesday news pod. Buddha Baker signed a four-year, $59 million extension with $33.1 million guaranteed, a $10 million signing bonus. It's the highest average annual value for a safety in the NFL. Moving ahead of Eddie Jackson, 14.6, Kevin Byard, 14.1. The Honey Badger, who's basically old Buddha. Yes. Oh, yeah, you're right. The Honey Badger, a.k.a. Tyron <laughs> Great call, Ryan. Thank you. Uh, though, if you want to see Ryan tell me when to play sounds, uh, you can go to youtube.com slash pick six and watch it happen live. Um, but ba- Baker had the most solo tackles in the NFL in 2019. He's been the Pro Bowl twice. First team All-Pros a rookie in 2017. Second round pick out of Washington. So the Cardinals and Steve Keim have had this history of drafting sort of these multiple defensive players, right? Tyron Matt, Ty- They drafted uh, Dion Buchanan. They drafted Buddha Baker. They drafted Isaiah Simmons this year and Hassan Reddick, most notably. So Reddick has not worked out well. And that's why people are a little worried about Simmons, I guess. Uh, Tyron Mathayu. Worked out very well. He all pro player and then eventually just left injuries and contract issues, but he, he got a second contract in Arizona and now being paid handsomely, uh, by the Texans, right? By the Chiefs after being with the Texans. Buchanan was great for a little bit and then sort of flamed out. Uh, and buddebecker has been a superstar. Like this guy is a great find. He's a versatile safety. You can play all over, fly all over the field. And I think that's what Arizona wants to be on their defense. Is they want to have guys who can be, you know, uh, sort of like, like, the the very the variable position of abil- positionability I guess is what you would call it I'm sure there's a better phrase for it but Buddha's is a stud not shocked they locked him up and I think probably smart to sign him to this deal now before Jamal Adams comes through and signs a monster deal with the Seahawks which he inevitably will
1: yeah that's exactly right I was actually surprised just because I'll be honest I didn't watch a ton of Cardinals last year because they were so god awful in that defense the the defense, defense is, is- the defense is going to be better. Uh, and I think that goes, that's probably goes without saying simply because that the defense couldn't be worse. But, um, yeah. So you're exactly right about the Jamal Adams thing. And also, and, and, you know, this isn't, this is something more teams should do pay young players earlier rather than later. And you can save yourself a little money in the back end. So even though, um, Buda Baker is now the highest paid safety by just over nine, $90,000, I think. Oh, Reddy yeah. Jackson. It's worth it. And by the way, you mentioned Jamal Adams, Anthony Harrison, Justin Simmons, uh, the Vikings and the, and the um, and the Broncos, excuse me. Those guys are in franchise tax. So they're going to be looking to get paid next year. Some guy named Micah Fitzpatrick's going to be looking to get paid. He's still in his rookie year. Uh, Justin Reed, uh, for the Texans is another safety looking to get paid. And it's funny because two, two off off-seasons ago, you couldn't pay safety $100,000. You couldn't find him to, to pay him. It was him. great. It was wild. Like, there was a guy from Arizona Tyron who had to take a lot
0: less money with the Texans peanuts. than approved right. one-year deal, and then he landed a big contract with the Chiefs. So, yeah, it's
1: the safety market has completely changed. By and, the way, uh, worst thing is two, two bad things. I always want to call Bill O'Brien Billy O'Brentzen now, and now when I have to say Tyron Matthew, I have to think about his name because I have breaches. I really
0: think it's flying under the radar that he's pronouncing Tyron incorrectly as well.
2: Tyron Matthew.
0: It's Tyron think, Tyron Matthew. Yeah. Tyron, I think the first time. Tyron I... Mathayu. Like yeah, what that... do you how do you even get there? Like, hey, I don't even want to play anymore. I'm gonna wear it out. People are gonna get mad about it. Can you can you hear enough of this? Tyron Mathayu. <laughs> yeah, it's funny every time. Um yeah, look, Budabaker is an ascending player. He's 20, four. twenty twenty four. We'll turn twenty five at the end of this season. So I mean this it's an easy this is an easy contract. You you give him top of the market safety money. And you're going to watch this contract be of value in two years. So good job by the Cardinals doing that. Let's get to uh, the Washington football club, the Washington football team, excuse me, over under Ryan, a number of times you hear somebody go, it And like start to say the old team's name before they stop themselves on this podcast this year.
1: Oh, we do 500 podcasts a year. So probably 500 times. Yeah. That's right. What, uh, so hail to the Redskins. What, what's that hater? What's that going to become now?
0: Hail to the Washington football club. <laughs> is
1: that the new hashtag that you have to use on Twitter? I don't know.
0: I don't know. I don't know what it is, but what about a song? You get rid of the song too. Yeah. Um, no, that used to be a thing. The team announced that Ron Rivera, new head coach, has uh, early stage lymph node cancer. Ron said, I'm not being rosy about this. I'm being honest. I know I'm going to struggle, so on days I do, I ask the coaches to step up and the players to step up and take ownership. I understand the significance of what I'm going through, and I understand how tough it's going to be. Those days I can be on the field, I'll be on the field. If I'm there, we'll be business as usual. If not, plan B. I don't expect that to happen. I hope it doesn't happen. I hope I can make every practice. The prognosis is good, so I'm fairly confident. I can't wait to get started and get it over with. The belief is that the doctors caught call this, called the diagnosis of the cancer early, for Rivera. Uh, he's going to do five treatments a week, a mixture of chemotherapy and proton therapy for the next seven weeks, man. I mean, I think I felt like when they initially announced this, that he was like, you know, he's, you're always very optimistic. And obviously, first of all, thoughts and prayers with Ron Rivera and his family. He's a, a great man who has done a lot for professional football at multiple levels. And, uh, but man, I don't know that he's gonna be the coach this year. Like, I mean, like I think he is, but this like chemotherapy for five days a week for seven weeks, and then think that you're just gonna like coach football and and, and be a head football coach during that. I am. I don't want to be pessimistic about it, but I find it difficult. And maybe maybe I just don't know, but it feels like to me that we will see a lot more of Jack Del Rio involved in the game planning and the coaching. And that's not a bad thing for a team that, you know, that like Jack Del Rio fits exactly what Ron Rivera is in terms of discipline, defense, um, head coaching experience with both the Jaguars and the Raiders. I I just, I don't know. I just have a, I I hope that Ron Rivera is coaching all 16 games and I hope that he's at every practice. But I I think that's asking a lot of of anybody, much less a head football
1: coach. Yeah. I just looked it up. He's 58. So, I mean, he's not a spring chicken, but he's also in good shape. So hopefully that helps in terms of uh, dealing with the chemotherapy. And uh, I I have a feeling given um, what we've seen of Ron Rivera as both a player and a coach that his mindset will be one that will uh, embolden him to kick cancer's ass, which is good. And hopefully that helps get him through this because a lot of uh, the whole chemotherapy thing is as much mental as anything else, but so we'll see. I mean, this has been. I mean, Ron Rivera took this job. I would imagine he would have expected none of the things that have happened over the last four months, five months, six months to have happened. Starting with the Red, the Redskins. I just said it. The the Washington Football Team's upheaval in, in terms of their name, the upheaval in trying to oust owner Dan Snyder. Uh, obviously, the cancer diagnosis. Uh So yeah, it, it's been a wild ride, man. It's true. So yeah, I think he will. He'll come through it no problem because he's. Tough as nails, but this is probably the last. Well,
0: I, I don't. I don't have any question that Ron Rivera will get through this. And
1: no, but and it's fair to be... ask: Will he coach and and to what capacity in twenty twenty? Given all the other barriers, and also, by the way, once you have chemotherapy, doesn't that make you part of the uh, immunocompromised? You're at risk. Yeah, yeah, you're
0: all of a sudden at risk, and so I I would I would be shocked. Again, I'm not not a doctor. I don't have any inside information as to the specifics of Ron Rivera's situation. But if he is doing chemotherapy five days a week for seven weeks or a mixture of chemo and proton therapy over that stretch starting, I mean, presumably now, like maybe he's, how is he going to be back on the sideline coaching? I think this could very well be Jack Del Rio's team for most of 2020. I
1: don't know what the rules are for coaches being in the box, especially older coaches who may prefer to do that. So I'm sure there'll be some options there, but yeah, I don't, I don't know the specifics.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll let's wait and see. But it, I think I, – I don't know. It just felt like it was sort of being – not glossed over. Everybody was very, you know, like, you know, like very concerned for Ron Rivera's health. But it just seems like the football aspect of it maybe being a little bit sort of cast aside, like, yeah, oh, he'll just be out there coaching. I don't know. That,
1: so did, don't look down. Don't look down. Did you read all of Debo's notes about the, the Ron Rivera segment? The one of the ones that stood out most to me was, do you know the last time Jack Del Rio was a coach?
0: I, 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 the last time he was a – Interim coach?
1: Did you yes. see that? Seven that. years ago. That was seven years ago that he was an interim coach. But he
0: was—he's been a head coach since then. Where?
1: Oakland. Uh, Oakland. That he was a head oh, coach. Denver. he had—he had to give the press conference saying, "I'm getting fired for John Gruden." That was Jack Del Rio. Yeah. That right. was like 2016.
0: No, oh, 2000, it was 2017. Because you know Gruden's only been there two years. Yeah,
2: that's right. So two thousand
0: six that, Remember 2016 was the year that the Raiders won. That's I don't right. That remember was, this? Twelve, no,
1: of course. Years. Um, And they would have, uh, MVP Carr would have been MVP had he not broken his leg, probably.
0: On the same day that his, you know who else broke his leg?
1: Oh, me. No, No, that was 2017. Who?
0: another professional football player broke his leg on the same day as Derek Carr, Christmas Eve, 2016. Who was that? I should know that. Oh, you should know it. It's your guy. Who? Come on, man. If I'm like, if you're connecting him to Derek Carr, your guy. I got nothing. Marcus Mariota.
1: Oh, he did break his leg. He broke,
0: really broke their legs on the exact same day. Oh, I like, was thinking of running back for something. I think like. it was the same time because I think it was both the 4 p.m. window on Christmas Eve. Because I remember we were writing about it. It's bananas. Like, you lose two starting yeah. quarterbacks on, on Christmas Eve. It's like trying to spend time with my family, blah, blah, blah. Oh, anyway, no. Jack Del Rio coached for many years in Jacksonville.
1: Yeah.
0: Interim head coach when John Fox missed time in Denver. And then also, of course, for two years in Oakland. So a guy who has a lot of head coaching experience. That's this is where it pays off for you hired, uh, a, a veteran defensive coordinator. Like if you had hired some, the Redskins could be in, oh, freak. There's one. Uh, the Washington Football Team could be in trouble if they had hired a really young defensive coordinator, and also had Scott Turner as their offensive coordinator. You know, they have somebody they can lean on to help out Ron here yeah,
1: Maybe Sean McVay used to be an offensive coordinator there too, so to Kyle Shanahan. So you, you could. My, my only point is like you have if. It's not. You have a situation where Rivera is like, "Hey, I can't make it to practice
0: today." Yeah, Jack Del Rio no, can easily step in and manage practice.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. I get that part. The
0: team also hired Jason Wright, the first black team president in NFL history, and of course, awesome. the team. Yeah, it's great. Um, former NFL player. His actually his job in the civilian world was uh, going into Fortune 500 companies, finding out why they're. They were trash and fixing them. So
1: Yeah, he worked at McKenzie, which is like a you know, top of the top consulting firm.
0: Yeah, he's a consultant who would
1: he probably took a pay cut to come take this job. Absolutely.
0: But I mean, you know, you get to be the first black team president in NFL history. And it it happens at a time, let me ask you this, Ryan. Do you find that the Washington football team cleaning house and then making the moves they made? Well, they hired like Julie, Donald, Julie Donaldson to be their head of the VP of content. And they hired Jason Wright to be their first black team president. Do you find it to be like, is it like, like not, not too much? Like, I think the moves are great and the personnel are great, but I mean, like, like, I mean, they're changing the name. It's like, they're like, Hey, you like, like, I you didn't know, like, is it so over the top in, or, or do you think that they are going
1: out and hiring the right people and doing a good job of it? If not now, when is my initial thought. Why not? Uh, I do wonder, I'm happy about all of it. I think it's great. Of I do wonder how much of this has to do with Dan Snyder trying to change the conversation.
0: That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. is it not, not like, it's almost like not a Val Doth, but it's like you hired, a, like you fired the guy you fired for being a sexist misogynist at, at like a, like a sexual harasser at work, you replaced with a female and then you yeah. go out and hire the first black team president. You know, yep. you have a Hispanic head coach, you, and like, you're like, we got to get rid of the name. It, it almost feels not well, too, too much is the wrong phrase. The phrase is like, like, like oh, the, the uh, overnight awakening of Dan Snyder. I mean, well, do you get. believe that he has really
1: changed, or is this just sort of? This was up? a guy two or three or four years ago that said, under no circumstances will I change the team name. Right. And he said, you could print that, and everyone printed it. Uh, and, and then we heard reports. I don't know if this report's been verified, but that some minority owners. Minority owners of the the Washington Football Club, not people who are minorities, wanted Dan Snyder out.
0: Yeah, Fred Smith,
1: the CEO of FedEx, a bunch of guys. Yeah, right. So um, related to Arthur Smith, perhaps? This is his father. Yeah, (laughs) is it? Yes, must be right. Yeah, I just want to double check. Yes, that's why we made fun of Arthur Smith before last year. Could have been his uncle. Who knows? I can't can't get fired. He works for FedEx, and then he just (laughs) turns out he's great. (laughs) But yeah, so there, there. You know, this could be a change the, change the topic type move, but also if you're going to change the topic, do it this way as opposed to doing it the other way where you, you, you know, you, you do some things that actually uh, make things worse for yourself. So hopefully at the end of the day, uh, Dan Snyder has learned some lessons. I know Jason Wright said he spoke with him about mistakes that have been made in the past and how they want to rectify those mistakes. And, you know, I feel like the best piece of advice you can give an owner, Dan Snyder, Jimmy Haslam, Jerry Jones, whoever be less visible and out of the way. Go sit in the owner's box, get drunk like you've never gotten drunk before. Smooth jumpers, watch football, give, give your shrimp. opponents the double bird, butt out butt style. <laughs> yeah. Go crazy. And let the
0: football people do football stuff. I, I just, it is like, it's not, I, I, mean, I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to criticize the moves because I think the moves are good. I think mean, clearly they're good and they're much better than what the team was doing before, but it's like such an overnight overhaul. It's like, why, where was this? Five or ten years ago, man, like, did it, is it just because Ron Rivera got hired? You realize how well, to
1: run a business. You can also say that where was Goodell on on social justice issues? Fair. four or five, six years ago, and, and you know George Floyd happened, and then we did an about face. At least okay. he did. That,
0: that's that's a good point.
1: So maybe that's just part of the part of the turnaround. But okay. I, th- I think Jason Wright seems like on paper to to be the right move. I know he talked to our, our Jonathan Jones. He talked to some other outlets. And, and he seems, you know, pumped to, to turn things around. And him and Ron Rivera appear like a, if you're going to have pick two guys to try to fix a, a huge gaping mess, why not start sure. there?
0: Yeah. And look, I'm not, these, everybody they're hiring is very qualified and good for them, For <laughs> which you could not always say. No, please. Bruce Allen is a joke in that organization. Jim's a Right. <laughs> and Jason Wright, by the way, I believe is just going to focus on the business aspects of the Washington football team. Um, and Ron Rivera and the personnel guys will handle all the football aspects, which I think, like, Novel. Bruce, right? what a crazy idea, separating church and state. Bruce Allen was doing both. It's like, why, why would you let somebody who's bad at one job do multiple jobs? Uh, Alex Smith was also cleared for football activity again. Uh, percent chance that Alex Smith unseats Dwayne Haskins for the week one starting job.
1: I uh, saw so a little blurb on Tuesday that it, it said the, the battle currently wasn't very close and that Dwayne Haskins was, was playing better. That's no big surprise. Uh, at one point for many months, we thought that, uh, Alex Smith might not be able to ever walk again and perhaps even lose his leg. So this is just an amazing story that he's able to, to play football again. So it's fantastic. I, I hope he has an opportunity to compete for the job and whatever happens, you know, that's, that's your comeback player of the year right there.
0: Okay. Uh, I'd say Trent Williams, but you can say Alex Smith. I forgot about that. All right, injuries very quickly. Gerald McCoy ruptured his right quad in practice with the Dallas Cowboys, and Dallas released him. Turns out there's actually language specific in his contract, allowing them to release him if uh, if he got if he hurt his quad. It's sort of an injury he was dealing with. It's a pretty big blow to Dallas's defensive line, though. I mean, this is not a I think this could be the high scoring offense in football, not just because they have good players, but also because the defense might not be that good.
1: Yeah, I, I think the language you pointed out is important because I, the, he did get some guaranteed money. Um, so I don't think it was a surprise that he got cut. It sucks that he got hurt, obviously. And, um. They cut him quickly, like within yeah. like
0: a couple of hours of him being hurt. Well,
1: as soon as they saw the MRI, they're like, okay, this it's, is not good. Somebody
0: who confirm that's a quad and get him off the roster.
1: So it just means that Tristan Hill has to, has to play better. He's, he was, uh, I think he was a second round pick two years ago at UCF. Um, didn't do a lot last year. They did get Everson Griffin, so we know that, um, we'll see how that works out. They drafted Neville Gallimore out of Oklahoma in round three. So they have young guys there. We'll see if they work out. And Everson Griffin, who's a veteran, obviously, is probably a, a one-year guy. I think the most – and I saw you tweet about this on Tuesday uh, after um, one of the local Dallas Beat guys was, was tweeting play-by-plays. But CeeDee Lamb is going to be someone to watch. Yeah, CeeDee Lamb has looked awesome. It sounds like the the Cowboys have –
0: I almost said the Dallas football team – had three number one wide receivers. And I, I really do think look, if this offense is good, this is a Super Bowl contender. Hmm, Debo
1: would like
2: a word.
0: <laughs> if, but if, uh, funny. Uh, Debo, do you think the Cowboys are a dangerous team? Super Bowl contender.
2: They, they can contend for the Super Bowl. How, how long is that list though? 10 teams, <laughs> 12 teams, 4 teams. Brent's just thinking 4 teams. They're in the mix. I. Alright. Yeah. They're not gonna win the division, but. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Williams, AC uh, AC joint sprain, the Chargers wide receivers, expecting to miss, I believe, four to six weeks, which feels like about the time away that football is, but it turns out football is actually like two weeks away. So yeah. he's going to miss a significant amount of time. Might not really matter because the Chargers are going to run Tyrod Taylor and Austin Eckler, apparently. All right, well. No, I think it matters. It's a big deal. He's a great red zone threat. But they I mean, they have enough weapons, I think, where they can overcome the loss yeah, of Mike K. Williams. Allen, Hunter Henry. They're going to be a low volume offense, so it wasn't, it's not like he was missing out on like forty targets here. Right, Daryl Henderson, AJ Green, Tyreek Hill, KJ Hamler, and Josh Norman—all players of football for different teams, um, <laughs> most of them at different positions—suffering hamstring injuries. Uh, which one of those concerns you the most for the player in the I'm team? I'm
1: laughing because uh, there's one rookie, and he's from Penn State, and he's probably the number four wide receiver on the team. <laughs> I'm like reading the list. Awesome. I, but, love uh, K- I love K.J. Hamler, but there's Cortland Sutton, Noah, <laughs> F- Jerry Judy. Jerry,
0: Jerry Judy got run over by a car It's said, K.J. Hamler has a, a strained hamstring. Is our new our li- lead
1: news item. I love
0: it. Saquon Barkley, perfectly healthy,
2: our number one news item. You know I don't like Saquon. KJ Hamler helped. more effective on the field though than Josh Norman at this point in his career. I was just connecting the yeah. hamstring issues.
1: No, he is. You're right. Josh Norman is on the downside of a career. But uh, next time, don't put KJ right next to Tyreek Hill. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> and AJ Green. <laughs> uh, we're gonna let, this is gonna be uh, this is gonna be my Devonte Parker when KJ Hamler goes for two. Okay. $2, so <laughs>
0: which which wide receiver not named KJ Hamler concerns you the most? <laughs> uh,
1: what do you mean with the injuries here? Yeah. Um, I'm not worried about Tyreek Hill just because that team's so, de- uh, so deep, obviously. AJ Green can't, I mean, that's a, that sort of sticks out. I, I, I know they have Auden Tate. Uh, he's doing well at camp. Um, they drafted T. Higgins, who's, who's apparently flashed, but you would like AJ Green to be healthy for Joe Burrow. I mean, you don't need rookies and young players having to carry the team as wide receivers. you like AJ Green to finally do it.
0: I would agree completely with that. AJ Green is the biggest concern. So, moving along. I'm definitely not shopping for USB chargers,
1: as far as you know. <laughs> My wife got sent away from the Verizon. Well, if you if you finish these last few names, you could just shop with full...
0: Jared attention. Stidham has a hip injury. Sounds like he's a few weeks away, and the job is basically Cam Newton. Yeah, it's over. If I was competing with Cam Newton, I'd just
1: stab myself in the hip, too. I would... Exactly. I'd pretend I got hurt, and...
0: Uh... Ah! Send me to the hospital,
1: please! Ah! <laughs> Jared, nothing's wrong with you. Ah! I know There was a time, probably, I was going to say, 15 to 20 minutes this offseason where Jared Siddham thought he was going to be the starter. Yeah, that,
0: that and, little hot, there was like, if Jared Siddham beats out Cam Newton. And look, Cam Newton's still got to be healthy, you know? Like, that's well, still a problem.
1: He's healthier than Jared Siddham right now. That's right. Yeah, that, that now this could go south for the Patriots if Cam Newton's not healthy. It's Brian O'Reilly time, baby. Well, I'm going to ask you a question that you don't know the answer to, but I'm guessing it's still nine and a half wins
2: for... It's
0: down to nine.
1: Is it? No, no,
0: it's nine and a half, and it's heavily juiced the under. Excuse me. I looked the other day. Bills still nine? Bills are still nine because uh, Gup, uh, this morning, said that he actually likes the Bills under. I was surprised by that. That is surprising. Hmm. You don't hear a lot of people like fading the Bills, but you know what? It actually makes sense. Why? I mean, why would why it assume the Bills are going to win nine games? It's a lot for the Bills. It's Sean McDermott, that's why. Yeah, fair enough. Bleat McDermott, he can play. He can coach. I mean, uh, Grant Delpit, the second-round pick for the Cleveland Browns, tore his Achilles, they announced, mm. and will miss the entire season. Does that open up a spot for Earl Thomas?
1: We talked earlier. Hope not. Uh, also heard uh, his former teammate and current teammate, Greedy Williams, uh, thought to be less serious, but again, I mean that young secondary—you can't have all these guys going down who playmakers.
0: It, it's sort of weird how we've so again. This is it's August twenty-fifth, and we've been building up these teams and thinking about them based on you know what in our minds are their rosters. But like these rosters haven't suffered any injuries until this week when training camp started, and nobody's had. Any football off-season activity, so I, I feel maybe it feels like there are more injuries than usual, but I think there will be more injuries than usual, especially the soft tissue injuries, because guys just aren't mm-hmm. doing this stuff. And I mean, like all of a sudden, if, if you lose Grant Delpin and Greedy Williams, I mean, those aren't you know they're not superstar players, but they're high They're two second-round picks in your secondary. That would sort of change how you start to think about the Browns, right?
1: So Kevin Stefanski was asked if Williams would miss a significant amount of time with a shoulder injury, and Kevin Stefanski declined to say. That wasn't the case. I will quote, I would, I would say we will see. We're still evaluating. That ain't like no. <laughs> that not, is not, like, all right. It's not no. Yeah, so uh, again, you know, great news for Baker Mayfield, the Stefanski's offensive guy who leans on the running game. You still have to have a defense.
0: Yep. Tyrell Williams tore the labrum in his shoulder and will attempt to play in 2020. Shouldn't Henry Ruggs be rocketing up draft boards now?
1: Who are you drafting first? Henry Ruggs or, or I'm not even joking. Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro's, they're going to lean on him. He's so good. No one talks about him because as I always say, he looks like your older brother. <laughs> well, I mean, he looks like, yeah, he looks like me. Does he have a beard now? He's bald. Like he has male pattern baldness as a 24 or 25 male year old. Male pattern baldness? He's bald, man. That's something a bald man says. He has male pattern baldness. That's he you no he's bald. And has hair all, here and here.
0: First of all, he is like 29 <laughs> at
1: this point. No He's a Clemson for 12 years. He might be. Yeah. He's 29. Yeah.
0: He's yeah, like, yeah. uh, Danny Amante. He's a reverse Danny Amante. Uh,
1: like, Debo knows who Danny Amante is. I wonder if the average 28 or 29 year old knows who Danny Amante probably is. Probably not. He's like, he's like, he's like, he's trying to
0: make his version seem like he's like, I'm only 24. It's like, we know you're 29.
1: Dude, too. we can see you. Yeah. But anyway, my point is that I, that's my bold prediction. Remember that when we had the bold prediction show. Hunter Renfro puts up more numbers than Henry Ruggs.
0: Oh, I think she should be like Hunter Renfro leads the Raiders in receiving yards.
1: Man, well, Darren Waller. We'll see. Okay,
0: fair enough. Kenyon it was in a walking boot on Monday. Yikes.com. The team <laughs> just precautionary, but uh, we're talking about a first-round fantasy draft pick. I don't know how you can invest in Kenyon Drake or Miles Sanders with them being banged up leading into the season over someone like Julio Jones.
1: I didn't know that You're Kenyon that makes- Drake was considered a first-round draft pick. Oh, oh yeah. Hmm. What's wrong with Miles Sanders? d What's wrong with Sanders? Hammy?
2: He's okay. He'll be back.
1: He wasn't on the list. I
0: oh, was a really Hamlet detailed uh, breakdown of what's wrong with, I mean, Miles he's with him. Sanders.
2: fine. It's it's fine. it's lower body. I forget exactly. He should maybe he should have oh, been on that yeah. um that hamstring list along you with just the
0: other KJ Hamler on there. Not Miles Sanders You're slipping.
2: I I just wait. I Miles believe... Sanders
1: went to Penn State.
2: Yes. Yeah. Of course. How is know he not on that. the list? He said I, he's
1: doing fine. That's why. Just.
2: You know, it was more concrete that he would be available for week one, so that's why I um, I I left him off here.
0: Did Doug have any updates on Tuesday? Doug's
2: had lots of lots of good updates on Miles.
1: On Miles, is Doug back from uh, COVID?
2: Yeah, Doug's back. Okay. Miles, is is that okay for a first name basis? Will,
0: I think Miles Sanders is just how you would call him.
2: Okay. All right, whatever.
0: Because you might be talking about Miles. Uh, is the guy who we were talking about earlier? Simon, Miles Simon, yeah. Yeah. different different spellings, of course. Um, so yeah, Miles Sanders and Kenyon Drake is sort of a pivot point at the nine ten range. If you want to go running hmm. back, just take Joe Mixon, guys, or Clyde Edwards-Helaire if he's there. It's not that hard.
1: Crazy town.
0: There are a couple contract holdouts we got to deal with. Dalvin Cook and the Vikings have broken off contract talks. I don't know why Dalvin Cook thinks he's getting a contract, and I love Dalvin Cook probably more than most people do, but. Hopefully he won't go the
1: the um Melvin Gordon route.
0: You, you you played three years. You had one good season. You haven't had a healthy season. You tore your ACL in those three years. I understand why you want to get paid, and I think running backs get shafted in the NFL. But man, the Vikings can't give him some Christian McCaffrey contract. That's not happening. Get out if of here.
1: Dalvin Cook wants to get paid. This he should do one of three things: play quarterback, play cornerback, play edge rusher. That's right. You can't be a, you can't be a running back. Speaking of edge rushers, Melvin Ingram returned
0: to practice. He was doing, uh, I think, what Greg Rosenthal of NFL Media termed a "hold in," because he was at the team's facility. He was like yeah. at practice, watching practice. He was like, all worked. over Hard Knocks. Both the he was episodes. working out, but because he, you know, you can't you can't be at home holding out, right? Because you, you get fined now. You, and so now the move, if you want to come in and get a contract, you come in and be like, "Ow!" <laughs> Just act like you're hurt. You pull, you pull a Jared him. <laughs> yeah. Sidham's trying to get paid. Um, oh, actually, they guaranteed this year's salary. They changed it with Melvin Ingram. So now right, he's. Yeah. Well, th- and that's what they needed to do because the issue for him was if games weren't played or he got hurt, he might get cut, et cetera. So they guaranteed his salary. So now he's going to come in and play final year of his deal, and he'll be a free agent after this. They already paid Joey Bosa. They have, you know, Derwin James got to to worry about paying after this year. So it's probably, that's another safety, by the way, that's got to get paid. Mm -hmm. So more than likely, uh, last year for Melvin Ingram with the Chargers, unless he signs a, a shorter deal. And Yannick Ngakwe, finally, still a Jaguar.
1: Frisco called it.
0: I mean, yeah, wow. Pete Prisco correctly predicted that the Jaguars overvalued Yannick Ngakwe's market value, market worth, and weren't able to secure multiple first-round picks for him. Great call. I mean, I guess that's insider information, but it's like that's cool. I mean, I mean, they weren't ever getting multiple off first-round pick for him. What what do you think is going on? I didn't think that. Okay, there you have it. That's the podcast. A lot of news. A real. Plethora of news items, yeah, A cornucopia, if you will. I will. A mel- uh, melange, is that no. that? works. Now, what am I thinking of? That's not the word, is it? Myriad, My- yeah, myriad items. I wish John Breach was here so he could furiously uh, Google <laughs> cornucopia, only to have us in these like, um, many. Thanks for listening. We we'll back tomorrow, Pat Mayo's. We continue with Fantasy Week. Talk to you guys later.